0: Revival Fire An Interview with Jen Miskov. Thank you for joining me for Revival in My City, for those who want to see their cities transformed by the power of God. I hope this podcast will encourage, equip, and inspire as you pursue spiritual awakening in your own city. Hi, this is Cynthia Bryan. In this episode, you will hear from Jennifer Miskov, Ph.D. Jen is a revival historian, author, writing coach, and itinerant minister who loves to lead people into life-changing encounters with Jesus and help launch them into their destinies with God. She's also the founding director of School of Revival and of Writing in the Glory. Jen, it is such an honor to have you on the podcast. Cynthia, it's so great to be with you. Uh, this is just such a treat. and I have to give just a little bit of background. like in the last two or three months, like I've come to know um, Jen, I didn't realize I knew her before. I already had one of her books um, that, that, that she co-wrote with uh, with Bill Johnson. And um, I was just so touched by that about, um, encou- that book was about encounters that people had with um, the Lord in the past, and it was just uh, just really touched me. But I did not really remember your name, and then I connected with you on Facebook through your School of Revival, and in the last, I guess, in the last three months, I've taken three courses and read your book, Ignite Azusa, wow. and um, it's just been amazing. So it's just a privilege to have you on the podcast. Oh, we're so happy to have
1: you join our school revival family, Cynthia, in the midst of all your travels. What a treat.
0: Well, I wanted to just jump right in and ask you, how would you define revival?
1: Oh, such a great question. Um, yeah, I probably have a unique uh, answer for that, but revival is when someone's dead and they get revived. So. you know, I think a lot of people think revival is the answer. I think revival is just step one. You know, um, once someone's kind of reawakened and comes back mm-hmm. to life, you know, we don't need to keep reawakening them and say, revive, revive, revive. They're they're already now living. Now we need to teach and train them to step in and fulfill their destiny and the assignments God has and bring reformation and transformation all around. So um, revival just being, uh, more in love with Jesus. It's, it's, um, it's being all in and there is this awakening thing that happens, this reignition of the fire of God in our hearts, um, that radically should impact our life. Um, but I, I do believe it's just step one. When someone's laying on the ground, you put like the salts under their nose to like, you know, revive them. <laughs> Um, but once they're revived, now we need to get on and live um, our That's purpose. That's great.
0: I love that. More in love with Jesus. Yes. Yeah.
1: I mean, Jesus is revival, you know? Yes. like At the at the beginning and the end of the day, we don't want to go into revival if the presence of God is not there, like Exodus 30, 33. Like Moses wasn't going to go into his destiny or to revival without the presence of God. And I think... Um, you know, even myself have almost idolatrized, I don't know if that's a word, (laughs) put revival as as an idol, when really Jesus needs to be our obsession. And when Jesus is our obsession, revival, signs and wonders and miracles will follow our life. So yeah, I do think revival equals Jesus, more of Jesus in every capacity and facet of our lives.
0: Yeah, wow, that's really good. And you know, when you think about like revival in a city, as revival expands past one person, what would that look like?
1: Yeah, that that's a great question, Cynthia. And I think, you know, uh, if we have eyes to see, we'll recognize revival in the smallest details because. In one situation, revival could look like a single mother really caring deeply for her child and bringing them up in Christ. Um, in another situation, it could be, you know, um, feeding the homeless and someone encountering God's love on the streets. I think it 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 literally, basically, just looks like the kingdom of God crashing in um, to our, our now situations. It could look like a reconciliation. It could look like a, a repentant heart, um, you know, turning back to the Lord or people that have been fighting actually become reconciled and choose love instead. So I think it can look, uh, very different, and I think a lot of people may miss revival happening right under their noses because they think it has to look like one specific thing. But I think you know, it, it just looks like the the incoming presence of God invading our hearts and lives and relationships. Um, and it and it just basically looks like Jesus walking around the city. Like what would Jesus yes. do if yes. he was in the city? And that's kind of you know
0: what I think it would look like. Yeah, that's really good. And you have studied revival history and have written books on revival history, taught on revival history. What drew you to study the history of revival?
1: Yeah, so you're getting me in one of my most passionate subjects here, (laughs) Cynthia. I could talk for hours on this subject. I love it. Um, I think what originally drew me um, to revival history, I mean, I would have prayer meetings, pray for revival um, but when I you know really went to England to study revival history and do my PhD on it um, what burdened me to even do that in the first place is I kind of grew up in revival um, and and I saw people get encountered by the Lord I saw people follow over I saw people I just saw the manifestations I saw God you know move so that was pretty normal I saw healings but then you know a year two five, 10 years later, the same people who were in the heartbeat of this move of God aren't involved in church, aren't connected to the body, aren't really following the Lord anymore. Mm -hmm. And my heart really broke. And I actually wanted to go and learn about Revival's So that I could create a theology of living effectively through them and bringing that revival forward where it wouldn't just be this powerful encounter or this fire that was burning and then burns out. I I wanted to look at what does it look like to sustain that revival fire in our lives? Because I saw too many people have this high moment, but it didn't last. And, uh, so I, so that was the original reason, um, that I dove in even deeper and, uh, started studying more seriously revival history.
0: Did you learn something about that? Did you learn something that would help us be able to sustain revival?
1: Yeah. I discovered people um, like Carrie Judd Montgomery, who I ended up doing my PhD thesis on. She's radical healing testimony in the 1800s, planted some of the earliest healing homes. But I ended up doing my my PhD solely on her life and ministry because I discovered the model Of uh, someone that could live in revival, dive into the fullness of it, and also stay burning the rest of their lives. And that's why um, I I found Carrie. She lived through the healing. She was a significant part of the healing movement in the 1800s, but also Azusa Street Revival, early Pentecostalism. She also, at 50, uh, embraced what God had, even though it looked different. So she lived effectively through multiple major moves of God in her day. And still, her hunger for the Lord um, only increased. And, uh, and it was very inspiring to see a real life person who kind of proves my theory of what does it look like to sustain and <laughs> right. live effectively through revivals. And I found her, you know, and she was a person of the word. She was a person of unity and love, regardless of if someone got manifestation spoken tongues or not, she still chose to, to love them. And she would just meet with people and welcome the presence of God. So I think community is a, a key to sustaining revival. I really mm-hmm. feel like family is the fireplace of revival. I think um, stewarding the fire of God in a community of other burning ones will keep our flame strong, um, practically like the spiritual disciplines, um, you know, where we can position ourselves to feast upon the Lord, prayer, fasting, reading the word are all things that I feel like will help kind of position us to steward a revival long term.
0: Yeah. Wow. And. Just the idea of staying burning, like just yeah. to live your life from a place of revival to the next revival and staying burning. I, I love that idea. You mentioned family is the fireplace of revival. Could you explain that? Yeah, I,
1: you know, I think, um, I believe we're launched into our destinies from two things, a place of deep intimacy with Jesus and connection with the body of Christ. When you have those two things working together, there's such a synergy that there's so much momentum that you are you can't not be propelled into your destiny. Um, but it is dangerous when you when you don't have the family, when I'm talking about family, I'm talking about the body of Christ. I'm talking mm-hmm. about spirit filled believers, um, doing life with them. And, you know, family accelerates, anointing accelerates so much. So I've seen too many, especially prophetic people that are isolated. I've studied revivalists okay. that have been isolated and didn't really welcome family. Um, you know, I say that in quotes, the body of Christ into their story. And, uh, unfortunately it, I think it, it caused their legacy and their um, the anointing in their life to bring revival. I, I feel like it cut it short because they didn't invite family. Mm-hmm. Now we need each other. You know, the body of Christ, we can't do it alone. Um, and, and that's modeled throughout history. And so you've probably heard the saying, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, you know, go with people. And it, it usually takes a little bit more time. But I just feel like we we. We need God, but we also need the body of Christ. And uh, yeah, it's just powerful. I've personally experienced that. I'm sure you have too.
0: Yeah. Wow, that's so good. I know the Lord really pushed that in my heart in 2019, the need for community. And I started looking back through scriptures in the um, New Testament. And so many of the commands I realized when Paul mainly is saying, you do this. Mm -hmm. The you was a plural you. And yeah. I had always read it as like a singular you, like speaking to the individual. But so much of what we're called to do as Christians, we're called to do in community. Yeah. God moves in community. I'm thinking about the community that you've created through the School of Revival that I've just gotten connected with. And it's just beautiful to see people from all over the world connect in a way that really builds community. I I was not sure that was possible. I doubted (laughs) it (laughs) until I experienced it myself. And I've told several people about it, like, "This, this is amazing that you can have this online group. And break out into little breakout rooms Mm -hmm. online where you get to know Mm -hmm. two or three people very well and pray with each other and really be authentic, Mm -hmm. really get to know them better. And then you're able to, in a chat room type environment, encourage each other in the larger group, which is, you know, less than 40 people. And Mm -hmm. I was just really impressed with that model. And so... If any of you listening to this are looking for a group to connect with, to keep that fire burning, I encourage you to check out Jen's School of Revival.
1: Yeah, We would love to have them. It's a modern, it's a literal modern day miracle. How in the world does it become the upper zoom room, but somehow, you know, (laughs) it has. And that's, I feel like that's a modern day miracle that the presence of God is being translated. People are finding family, being authentic, vulnerable, deliverance, breakthrough. There's so many testimonies. its It literally can only be God in the midst of COVID that this is happening.
0: So it's amazing. It is amazing. And any of you listening can find this community at the website schoolofrevival.com. If you go to that website, you can find out about how to connect with this awesome community. I have to go back to something else you said, Jen. Um, You talked about the spiritual disciplines. Could you kind of explain that a little more about how that would help someone um, pursue revival? Yeah,
1: um, I think the word discipline now in our day is scary and people misunderstand (laughs) it. Um, So maybe we'll reframe it to pathways to intimacy. That's kind (laughs) of how I like to talk about it. Um, There's so many pathways uh, to intimacy that if you look at revival history, which I have, um, almost all the, pretty much every revivalist that's led a revival has embraced these pathways to intimacy in their own life John Wesley John G Lake I mean Heidi Baker everyone they all have a uh, you know these they they've committed to a lifestyle of being intentional in their focus of affection and attention upon Jesus, um, and time and building their relationship with Jesus. So the spiritual disciplines are just a way to help us hone in and focus on building our relationship with Jesus. It's all relational. It's not yeah. legalistic. It's not laws. It's, uh, just an, an, invitation to get to know the heart of God more. So setting aside time just to be with the Lord. Right. Um, but mm-hmm. silence, silence is one of my favorite, Activities to do with the Lord of just listening and not saying a word. You know, that's Psalm 46. It says, be still and know that I'm the Lord. And just focusing my attention upon the Lord. And there's so many times where I hear God speak to me or give me direction or just minister to my own heart. I just feel his presence when I stop the noise. And I just uh, put everything aside and just am still. But reading the word, you know, people say, God hasn't spoke to me and you know, five mm-hmm. months. Well, when's the last time you read the Bible? Cause he speaks every single day in the Bible, you right. know? Um, and we need to be a biblical literate person, not illiterate. And, uh, actually choose to do that more than social media and other things, which I know is, is a real challenge for, for myself and, and this generation. Right. Um, but we need to know the word. We need to know the truth. Fasting is one of my favorites. Um, and it's, it's just another way to say it is feasting on the Lord. Um, and, Uh, It's a way to uh, increase our hunger, almost pretty much the key to every revival and revivalist I've noticed beyond prayer is hunger. And obviously through prayer, you can cultivate that. But one way to cultivate hunger is to fast. If we want to get hungrier for God, fasting is one practical way that we can um, position ourselves to increase our hunger. So to me, it blows me away that there's all these available, you know, Ways that we can position ourselves to have more of God in our lives, and uh, I think it, it would be crazy to not embrace those or these all disciplines right. in our life. Because, yes. man, I know I'm changed. I mean, it just deepens my relationship with Jesus. And and if it's looked at in a relational perspective, not a rules legalistic thing, mm-hmm. um, I mean, there's times I br- I break my fast. I don't make it even the whole day, and there's no mm-hmm. there's no shame. There's no condemnation. It's all for I'm doing it for love. And so there's so much grace. And I think it's time that this generation raises up and embraces these pathways to intimacy because Jesus wants, wants us all. He wants our whole hearts.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So um, I can quote you as saying, fasting is one of my favorites. Now, you don't hear that very often. <laughs> So that intrigues me. So, why is fasting one of your favorite pathways? Well, this is going to be my next book. Okay. okay.
1: It's, it's called Fasting for Fire. I mean, it could change, but uh, Fasting for Fire Awakening First Love and Igniting Revival. Um, wow. Fasting is because it's something I can actually do to set myself apart just to love Jesus. And mm-hmm. um, it, there's, I mean, there's so many different ways of fasting and fasting for breakthrough or fasting for an answer. But what about just, let's just fast because we're in love and we, we're fasting mm-hmm. to be more in love with Jesus. Yeah. And, um, and, and focus, it really helps me focus on the Lord. Um, it's like a refining fire. It's learning how to live in the fire and walk in purity and be consecrated, walk in holiness. Um, It's just such a beautiful discipline and practice that Jesus did himself. And so, first Mm -hmm. of all, if Jesus is doing anything, you know, we're called to be followers of Jesus, let's do what he did. There's obviously a secret to it, but also studying revivalists. Um, All the revivalists I studied, most revivals were birthed on a fast, and most revivalists defining moments were birthed um, when they were on a fast. Mm-hmm. Um, I could, I could give you list after list after list. Azusa Street Revival was birthed on a 10 day fast. Heidi Baker mm-hmm. got her unique calling to Africa, England, and Asia on a fast. Um, so mm-hmm. I don't see why we wouldn't want to access something that revivalists of the past and Jesus himself did. So of course I love food, but <laughs> the fact that there's something I can do to set myself apart for the Lord as an mm-hmm. act of worship is special. And yeah. so I, I love it. And so anyone listening, join join me and Cynthia. Let's fast on Mondays with us and begin the the beautiful journey of
0: feasting upon the Lord. Wow. Wow. That's that's beautiful. I, I love it. Um, yes, there are things we can do as individuals to to increase our own hunger for Jesus. Mm-hmm. Because you are a revival historian, I have to ask you um, to tell us something about revival history that encourages you today. I think one thing
1: that I notice that encourages me is it only takes one yes. It's Mm -hmm. amazing to see how God uses so many imperfect, messy people, people that would be the least assuming, that no one would expect, the, the least qualified and um, because of their yieldedness to the Lord, because of their surrender, because of their willingness to be used and their yes, it's just so special to see how God will use the least like, like mm. these, these people and if you hear their stories. And then you mm-hmm. see that God still used them. You're like, oh, that gives me hope. If God can use that person because they yielded, then he can use me. And so I think it demystifies the I have to be perfect or I have to perform Mm -hmm. or it's something I do um, when it's really just a yieldedness and surrender to the spirit. Um, That's how Mm -hmm. God moves for us. So I think the one yes um, is special for me.
0: Oh, that's really good. So could you share about someone's one yes that influenced revival in history?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's so many. Um, Zinzendorf, right? Um, Nicholas von Mm -hmm. Zinzendorf. He was uh, in Germany and this this man named Christian David, who was a refugee fleeing from what is now Czech Republic, coming to Germany on his land in Hernhut. And uh, Zinzendorf, he had a choice. He was like a dignitary. He was in royalty, um, rich, wealthy, and he had a choice in that moment to say yes to this refugee to give him a place to live on his land. And he stopped for the one, and that you know intertwined with his own destiny. Later, we have the Moravians, or birth the Moravians, were this community of people that had this Moravian Pentecost um, going after unity and to steward the fire that was released. They ended up doing a twenty four seven prayer movement, and from that birthed the the missions movement. From that, John Wesley, you know, got marked and you know, encountered the Lord. So it's just powerful, like from Zinzendorf's one, yes. Um, But you could look at Lonnie Frisbee, the Jesus People Movement. You could look at Evan Roberts, you know, that maybe didn't finish well, like everyone would think. Um, You know, William J. Seymour, he was a son of slaves. He was blind in one eye, African-American in the early 1900s. All these people that it doesn't make sense that God would use them. And it just... Is one yes and uh special, it's very inspiring to me. Wow,
0: I would love to hear more from history, um, that, that you could share with us. I've just been through your Welch Revival course, and there mm. were just so many, you know, rich stories out of that. Could you share with us about the yes of people within the Welch Revival movement that helped get that started?
1: Oh, yeah, uh teenager, probably 18, around 18 years old, a teenager named Flori Evans was um, in a meeting. She just kind of really given her heart to the Lord a few weeks before the youth minister was asking people, hey, can you tell us who Jesus means to you? And uh, one boy stood up and said, Jesus is the savior of the world. And the minister's were like, no, what does Jesus mean to you? like personally?" And then Flory, uh, with a tremor in her voice, stands up and says, I love Jesus Christ with all my heart. And that one declaration of love Mm -hmm. by this teenage girl um, literally was the catalyst that lit the match that later ignited the Welsh revival, eventually hit Evan Roberts and uh, brought over a hundred thousand people into the kingdom in less than four or five months. So um, yeah, a teenage girl, you know, like, wow. Mm -hmm. And that, and, and it was this passionate, intimate love affair with Jesus That made everyone around her be like, I don't know if I really know Jesus, Mm -hmm. because she knows Jesus in a relational, personal way. Have I ever really known him? Mm -hmm. And it just uh, was powerful and it literally ignited something. And, you know, you know, we went through the Welsh Revival Um, you know, it's course together, but that later released impartation for the Azusa street revival. And I'm still drinking from the Mm -hmm. well of the Welsh revival a hundred years later um, because of what was cultivated. So very powerful move of the spirit happened where they just created space um, and gave the Holy spirit rule and reign. Mm.
0: That just stirs my heart, even even as you said her statement again. Like I've heard this so many times, but I love the Lord Jesus with all my heart. It mm. just like burns something yeah. in me. I do think that hunger and passion a lot of times is caught. You know, you you mm. see someone else burning for God, and yeah. you're just drawn to that flame um, to to be another mm. one to, burning for the Lord. Mm. Well. We are going to have to wrap up soon, and I don't want to end this. (laughs) Is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners?
1: Well, I think to steward revival, spend time with Jesus and do whatever it takes to surround yourself with other burning ones. Mm -hmm. And I know we're in a very unique situation right now where it's hard to get out. It's hard to connect. But the, the gift of this season is you don't even have to meet in person. There's burning ones around the world. Um, that you can connect with that will keep your flame going. So I I think, yeah, just wherever you're at, you know, like reach out, surround yourself with people that are burning on fire um, because that's going to stoke the flame inside and increase it inside Mm -hmm. of you.
0: That's so good. I want to mention I've just recently finished reading your book, Ignite Azusa. And it was Mm. amazing. Like it just really stirred my heart to pursue the Lord more and just to see how Mm. um, what happened then um, paved Mm. the way for what uh, is happening now and what could happen tomorrow Mm. (laughs) in just uh, revival and awakening, breaking out in a greater measure. We just want more and more of Jesus and more and more revival in our cities. So Jen, how could people follow you or get in touch with you?
1: Yeah, the best way is just to go to my website, jenmiskov.com. So it's just J-E-N-M-I-S-K-O-V, mm-hmm. um, as in victory.com. And that's kind of where you'll find everything I do from School of Revival, Writing in the Glory, my blog, um,
0: pretty much my resources. That's a uh, Yeah. And I've heard so much about writing in the glory. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Oh, writing in the glory is
1: so fun. Um, Books are movements, um, and they can actually have ripple effects for eternity. And so writing in the glory is, is unique and special. It's not just how to write a book. It's how to, um, you know, write and release your first book, but also from a place of encountering God and in family and uh, preparing you to steward the message and the movement that will be released. A lot of people don't realize, um, that when they release a book, it's like they're birthing Mm -hmm. a baby. Um, they're birthing something. And, uh, and also God's preparing that person to steward a movement. Um, and so it's it's a very special community. We do workshops. We have an online workshop as well. And we have so many people that have written and released their first book, but also people that have had radical encounters with Jesus in, in the workshops, which is also mm-hmm. amazing. So yeah, if anyone has a dream to write a book or prophetic word, uh, it's perfect to dive in. And even Heidi Baker um, does a little interview as well and, and a prayer of impartation, which wow, is a lot that, of
0: fun. That sounds Sounds great. Um, I'm going to have to check that out. Well, would you pray for the listeners who who will hear this and those that are seeking revival in their cities? Yes, I would love to. Yeah, Holy Spirit, uh, I just thank you for
1: each person that is listening to this right now. It is not an accident. And God, I just pray you would pour out your spirit upon them right now that you would apprehend them, Lord, that you'd fill their car, their room, their office, wherever they're listening to this, Um, that you would increase uh, the fire of God in their hearts, in their lives, just release a fresh baptism of fire, fresh baptism of love, of peace, of hunger, and Lord, that there'd be something ignited within them. Lord, that there would be a new fire, just like Flori Evans said, I love Jesus Christ with all my heart. Lord, there'd be a new passion that is awakened in their hearts for you, Jesus, that it would be all about you. There would be uh, a, just a, a coming back to the face of Jesus in a special, unique, powerful way. And Lord, I thank you when that happens. Lord, revival is just coming and going to chase them down and overtake them. So Lord, I just pray uh, you'd multiply their time in the secret place. You'd multiply their time with you and that you just increase your presence and just bless their families, Lord. Bless their um, the, the body of Christ surrounding them, but also their personal families and everything that concerns them, Lord. I pray that you would pour your fire and your love over those relationships, you know, all for your glory, all for your kingdom. Yeah, in Jesus' name,
0: yes. amen. 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 Thank you so much, Jen. It's just such a delight to get to talk with you today. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Cynthia. Thanks for listening to Revival in My City. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe, review, or email me at cynthia at revivalinmycity.com. I hope you will join me in praying. Lord, may your kingdom come, may your will be done in my city as it is in heaven.